So Ian, what is the exit strategy at this point? Do you think about it this much? At this early stage, would a big apparel brand that they came to you, would you be interested? No, I mean, this is not what I'm focused on, honestly, because I think any entrepreneur who's focused on an exit is focused on the wrong thing. See, that's interesting because I've had people say, I don't even start a business until I know how I'm going to exit. I think generally speaking, if you do your job well and you you build something of value that people like, there is going to be an exit strategy coming your way. And honestly, with Lambs, it's it's not too hard to figure out what it's going to be. There are three options, like either we're going to be growing to a point where we're going to be acquired by a PE firm that has a portfolio of brands and where we fit well within this portfolio. And option number two, we're going to be strategically acquired by another clothing company, say Lululemon, where we obviously have relationship with. Or like option number three is that we're going to go public and we're going to go and kick Lululemon's ass.
Uh, I, I really enjoy going back to Paris. I think it's a beautiful city. The food is phenomenal. And obviously the history behind uh, Europe makes it very special. But at the same time, there is something here that is also very, uh, very amazing in the American dream and, and everything that's around. So very much at home here in Santa Monica now. How did you perceive that as a kid? Were you always aware of like, was America kind of a goal for you growing up in France? I mean, I'm always eager to learn more about how people who come here from other places grow up thinking about us. And then what, if anything, is different once you get here? Yeah, no, I never really grew up wanting to go to America in particular. Um, I've had the travel bug a little later in my life, uh, probably in my early 20s. America just made sense for from a business perspective, especially being an entrepreneur. The entrepreneurial scene here in the U.S. is obviously one of the most developed in the world, if not the most developed. Growing up, you have the American movies, you have the American TV shows. There is obviously some exposure to the American culture. Uh, a lot of it's were cliches, half of them being true, the other half not necessarily. We definitely have some exposure to, to the American culture, but not necessarily fully seeing the full picture either. And this is this is not your first rodeo when it comes to creating something new, right? No, it's it's not. Yeah, <laughs> I've had a couple couple before, um, and a couple more that failed as well. So, well, and I think that's an important point as well. We talk a lot about the strategies, of, and I think a lot of people just decide they get paralyzed by the thought that too many things could go wrong. Have you done much marketing at all at this point, or I mean, as you expand your your spectrum of products? I think you're still just waiting on a, a formal marketing budget. Is that fair to say? Yeah, we're uh, we we've been really busy at building the brand and building the right products as well. And I think this is what we focused on more. And we have a few long-term projects as well that are coming to fruition in the next uh, in the next few months that will really move the needle there. And I think. Getting product market fit is probably the most important thing before opening up the marketing floodgates. Mm -hmm. And also, could you clarify as well, what is your status as far as your equity raise? Are you, are you still heading toward a goal or do you have enough for the moment to start putting it to use? Uh, we've got enough. The main reason why we're doing a crowdfunding campaign was because we've had, it's actually purely from a strategy perspective, we've had a lot of Customers asking if they could invest in the company, if we were publicly traded. And so we figured out, my perspective personally, is that in today's world where a lot gets decentralized and, you know, like the emergence of Web3, et cetera, et cetera, I think it makes sense to have people that for building a brand to have the customers able to be financially involved in the brand as well and to be co-owners of the brand that they love. I think this is the future of how strong brands are going to get created. And so for us, that really was the key decision maker in doing this crowdfunding campaign was if we can not only create a brand that people love, but also a brand that people can own, we're probably long term going to build a much, much stronger community that is going to pay dividends in the future and hopefully pay dividends to our <laughs> shareholders as well. And did you get an impression, at least when you were testing the waters, crowdfunding wasn't quite the same process as it is now. And now it's actually seen as something that's worthwhile and can at least signal to someone with a lot of money to give you that you've established a foothold. Yeah, probably. I mean, we, we so we raised uh, VC money before. So we're, we're already backed by some leading VCs. What was interesting is their reaction when we, when we started discussing doing a crowdfunding in our board meeting. 
um, which was a very positive reaction as to like, that sounds like a great strategy. Let's, let's go ahead with it. Yeah, I think today crowdfunding has evolved to be something that is seen by the venture community as something a lot more positive. Whereas before it was maybe viewed as more of a last resort for people who can't really raise institutional funds, which, which wasn't really our case. And from a lot of the campaigns that I've seen on Republic uh, is not the case of, of most companies out there now. The quality of companies using crowdfunding has greatly evolved in, in recent years. Uh, which I think it's a virtuous cycle. And speaking of a virtuous cycle, uh, you are listening to the Successfully Funded Podcast brought to you by KiwiTech, a growing ecosystem of entrepreneurs, investors, mentors, accelerators, incubators, and corporations. We help early and growth stage startups build viable products, drive traction, raise capital, and scale their businesses. Now, before we get started with our discussion about LAMs, we have a brief disclaimer. This is the These are the... Uh, the greatest hits. You'll see the full text of our disclaimer on our podcast website, successfullyfundedpodcast.com slash disclaimer. But it's important for you to know that KiwiTech is not acting as a broker, dealer, or investment advisor and is not registered with the Securities and Exchange Commission in any such capacities. At no time does KiwiTech provide investment advice, endorsement, analysis, or recommendations with respect to securities. Information contained herein should be viewed for entertainment purposes only. KiwiTech does not verify or assure that information provided by any issuer offering its securities is accurate or complete, or that the valuation of such securities is appropriate. Investing in securities, particularly in securities issued by startup companies, involves substantial risk, and investors should be able to bear the loss of their entire investment. So enough of that. Now, uh, I am your host, Doug French with KiwiTech, and I'm here, as I say, talking with the co-founder and CEO of LAMS which uses material science to revolutionize clothing so that it supports our health and improves our performance. They're inventing the first wireless radio-proof garments for daily wear. And I'm here with the co-founder and CEO, Arthur Menard de Kalenge. Arthur, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Doug. I'm fascinated by this subject, researching this. I always have fun researching any discussion with an entrepreneur, but in this particular case, it seems very much a specific product of its time. Given the recent arrival of 5G and the greater understanding we have of electromagnetism and the effect it has on our bodies, I really wanted to talk from the beginning. I mean, when you had this idea to create these garments, what was the initial eureka moment or what kind of really set lambs in motion? It's a great question. So <clears throat> lambs really came from me scratching my own itch. I've been... Um, on a health and wellness journey for the past 15 to 20 years now. It started off when I was a teenager and I saw family members developing cancer, realized that my likelihood of staying healthy and being happy as a result would be greatly influenced by the choices that I would make now. And so I started uh, as a teenager being reading all books about health and really being fascinated by this, uh, this topic and graduating with a master's degree in biology with a specialization on human health. This was a few years ago. And growing up in France as well, uh, the amount of awareness we had around how wireless radiation can alter our health and be dangerous was a lot more 
ahead of the curve when it comes to trying to regulate and inform people about potential dangers. And so we, uh, since being a teenager uh, and since having a phone, myself and my friends, um, I've, I've always heard about the fact that putting your cell phone in your pocket is not great uh, and that you should be mindful of limiting your amount of exposure. And so at the same time, tech was becoming more and more ubiquitous in our world. Um, and I'm saying this being a millennial and so uh, growing up with technology, I cannot get around without Google Maps today. So um, <laughs> very much part of this generation who's, uh, who grew up with tech and doesn't want to give it away and uh, give, give it up. And so yeah, it's harder to say millennial with a French accent. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, and so we, uh, we sat down at the kitchen table one day with my friends and we started discussing the fact that we had all heard about how wireless radiation can be dangerous to health. And we were still all carrying our cell phones in our pockets all day, every day. And that was the moment where I started looking into, well, one, what is the actual science behind it? And put on my researcher hat and when, uh, and, and the haha moment was probably the moment I ended up on the WHO website and figuring out that wireless radiation were class 2B human carcinogen which is the same classification that car exhaust fumes have. Like we can't see or smell wireless radiation, but we can see and smell a car <laughs> exhaust yeah. car exhaust fumes. And if a car was running in my living room all day, I would be worried. Yeah. Uh, and so this, uh, this prompted me on this journey to start lamps and start building a solution for people to be able to keep enjoying technology, to keep using cell phones, Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, whilst having an option to limit the amount of exposure and to stay healthier. And that was the beginning of LAMS. Since then, the products have evolved into how can we build a garment that not only protects you from wireless radiation, but also helps improve uh, or support your health as much as possible. And so we've integrated a lot more to the technology now so that we're also blocking UV rays from the sun. Uh, we, blo we block about five times more UVs than your traditional t-shirt. And we're also promoting blood circulation and uh, athletic recovery. And so we like to think that we're pioneering the next evolution of clothing, uh, which you've had like clothing to keep you warm. You've had clothing to show your status. And with, especially at the beginning of COVID, you've had athleisure and active wear that really do yeah, We had a bit of that, yeah. <laughs> um, Comfort was uh, was a much bigger uh, part, and and we have lamps. We're pioneering a new movement, which is well, clothing that actually makes you healthier or supports your supports your health. Which is an extraordinary thing to communicate to a potential customer base. The whole idea that clothing can make you feel better. More people will take it on board when they've actually tried it, as opposed to taking it based upon assertions from from a company. So now this this aha moment. What? How long ago was this? That was a few years ago. Uh, gosh, <laughs> five years ago. Who thinks about the past, right? That's you know, it was back then in the before the times. For all we care about, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now, how much trial and error went into making this fabric? I mean, because obviously you have a very narrow needle to thread in terms of making something protective and something that you're not constantly aware of when it's on your body. That was probably the toughest part of starting the company. We went to, we tried hundreds of different prototypes for the fabric itself. We got originally inspired by NASA spacesuits, which 
had uh, a layer that was designed to protect from wireless radiation, especially when, when being in space. The challenge was making it into something that was soft and that was that felt like normal fabric. And so we spent a ton of time developing the fabric until we got to a level where we felt that, and, and we and, and people testing it felt that it was to the level of some of the best fabrics out there in terms of comfort. And our job is not done. Like we, we keep on iterating always. And that's a big part of what we're doing at LAMS is like we're constantly doing R&D on our products, constantly doing R&D on our fabrics and constantly bringing out upgrades to the clothing. So we're really, the way we look at ourselves as well is like much more of a health and wellness and tech company. So kind of a health tech startup more so than a clothing company. Oh, for sure. Yeah, yeah. We're still talking about your humble beginnings, but yeah, we'll get to that. We'll see how because Lambs has definitely expanded far beyond the initial product, which I think was the boxer briefs. Is that correct? That is correct. As I said, scratching my own age originally. Like we. Well, uh, yeah, we're gonna talk. Yeah, that's and that's. I think we're getting toward the initial humor, the initial strategy you had to market these with humor. You know, there's something. You know, hey, let's talk about balls. That's funny. But I, the challenge of creating, of all things, boxer briefs, because they need to be protective. They also need to be comfortable. They need to breathe. They need to have, I guess, a, a, a spandex or a, a, some kind of a um, form-fitting fabric as well. I mean, you really have a lot of things to bring together at once. So why did you choose boxer briefs as your first garment? And how long did it take to make a prototype that you thought you could bring to market? Back then, again, like the complete vision we have for the company today is very different from like the humble beginnings we had again, where we, uh, I mean, when we, when we got started again, we, we were thinking, what is the number one place where people keep their cell phones and especially men, the first two areas that were covered in terms of research on wireless radiation were cancer and fertility for men. So we, we got started with a product for men so that we could tackle, um, cell phones in, in pockets, uh, first. And I've uh, talked to a lot of men about this, about their health. And I'm curious about your standpoint as you came into this, because when you think about gender stereotypes, you think that women are actually a lot more in tune to their health than men tend to be. So creating this brand initially, I mean, now, of course, Slams caters to everybody. But during this initial point, one of the chief components of getting going was getting men to take their health seriously. Um, what has been your experience um, in terms of talking to men or having men accept this as something they need to do as part of their health maintenance? And how do you think men are acclimating to more of a health and wellness brand in general? Because it seems like given over the past 10 years, that's the real growth market to get into. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, first of all, I think the, the landscape has completely evolved between the moment we got started and, and, and now. And today, I don't think there's that big of a difference between men and women when it comes to taking your health seriously and taking ownership of your health. So today, I think men take this just as seriously as women and that there is no, no big difference there. And generally, that there's been more of this growth towards people realizing that, I mean, first of all, taking health and wellness as one of the number one priority. And today, there's about like five cents on every dollar being spent by consumers is spent on health and wellness. And so... Really? Uh, yeah. Um, so the, this has been like one of the fastest growing markets we've had. And so in our specific case, we were talking about a subject again, that was like your genitals. And for men, obviously, this is a very sensitive subject, um, which if approached not well, I think would have been very tough to, to discuss. 
but we chose to use some humor in our marketing as well. We chose to uh, deal with the subject a little differently that in a way that uh, men felt comfortable with. And at the same time, that would speak to something that is a very serious potential problem or like a, a very serious topic. So yeah, it's kind of a non-answer. <laughs> well, I know I get it because when you want to come at men in particular, I mean, the, the choice to use humor, as you mentioned, and during that talk, was a strong one because that's kind of where we are when you talk about genitals you start giggling like you're six years old again for some reason and it's always struck me as a weird design flaw in the human body for something that important and that delicate and that fragile to be outside of our bodies and to be that you know in the line of fire in, in so many ways i mean we've all taken a shot there and thought why is this where it is um <laughs> Uh, in the human body evolution, actually, your genitals as a man, I mean, as men and women are actually inside of our bodies and um, men's genitals literally go out and there are people suffering from a condition when the genitals won't go down and then you need to operate and actually get them where they are. Um, oh, yeah, I'm sure for every natural bodily thing that's supposed to happen, there's somebody for whom it didn't happen. I mean... Yep. That's but so interesting enough, our, our genitals start inside of our body and then yeah. from, like, they, they, they go where they go. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a bit, again, with the proviso that a lot has happened since, but I really enjoy your talk about how your initial marketing efforts, how successful they were, given that so many people in your position, or in any position really, are trying to compete to be the signal amid the vastly increasing noise. The piece I saw you give, the, the talk I saw you give, was all about choosing not to fearmonger. In marketing in general, that's, that's the go-to. Just tell people they've got a horrible problem and only you can fix it. And you went a different way and, uh, and really enjoyed telling the story of how, it, how the humor campaign kind of got you, uh, kind of opened a lot of doors early on. So if, you, if people are planning an initial campaign and thinking about a, a tack to take, why would you be a proponent of let's be funny about this, let's entertain and form at the same time? It's interesting, like, especially in today's world where people have a short attention span and uh, where entertainment has become such a big, like, I mean, you look at YouTube, you look at TikTok, you look at all of the social media out there today, like the uh, entertainment value is, is, is building a ton of brand equity for people who are able to leverage this uh, well. More recently, um, if you look at Liquid Death, for instance, a water company uh, created right. water in a can uh, and they've absolutely blew it out of the park with just great marketing. And the water itself, and I shouldn't be saying this because I'm actually an investor, but the water itself is, is great. But, uh, it's, it's, it's the best water ever. <laughs> it's the marketing around it that it, that makes it so awesome. Where when you hold the can, you feel something different than if you're holding a can of like any other water. And so, anyways, what I'm trying to say is the connection that you're feeling with a brand. I think is is much uh, stronger when this brand entertains you, which is one of the best way to grab to grab a consumer's attention today. With that being said, I don't think it's necessarily easy. It's it's not something easy to wield. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why we chose to use humor at the beginning is and not fearmonger is first of all just from a value standpoint, we could have made a lot of money doing this, but we wouldn't have built the brand that we've built today, and uh, we wouldn't get to where we want to go to by fearmongering. There is no positive association with a brand that fearmongers, and I don't think this is something that's this is not the way to come to communicate with with customers. 
But it seems like it's the result of an overall brand strategy. I mean, I want to talk about the name Lambs and the logo that you chose. I mean, I think there's a definite feel that you get for the brand based upon what you named it and what it looks like. And we can talk about whether wearing a pair of Lambs boxer briefs gives you the same feeling as if you are holding a can of liquid death which is actually kind of fascinating to think that you know a wellness brand is calling itself liquid death that's that is <laughs> so cool and bold and it's working so you know sometimes thinking outside the can is something that really pays off if you have the the boldness and the wherewithal to stick with it and recognize that being a little weird is the best chance you have to stand out among you know this enormous health and wellness industry that's ballooning like crazy. Do you want to say now you were a complete genius because you thought all this through at the beginning, or is it more along the lines of you just tried a lot of stuff and some things came together well? First thing I'll say is I'm far from being a genius. I'm just very lucky and fortunate to be surrounded by people who are much, much smarter than I am. No doubt and- future CEOs. Humility is a very important quality. Yes, please go on. Oh, yeah. But well, I mean, if this, I, I think with any CEO's job, is that your job is to surround yourself, to find the people who are smarter than you are and to surround yourself with them. And yeah, I mean, with the name, you know, it's interesting, like the founder of Liquid Desk was actually involved in the brainstorm around like, how do we, how are you going to name NAMS? Um, really? And uh, yeah, we, we like, again, I'm like, not surprised by that. <laughs> and, uh, and actually Lambs was not his suggestion. So I don't want to <laughs> attribute something where it might be like, Hey, hang on, this is a terrible name. I never suggested that. But, um, we, we essentially got tried to, to get the creative minds that we knew that to, to help us find the, the right name for the brand. But the number one thing we're trying when we, uh, when we got to the name Lambs is, is one. I mean, we could have named the brand like, I don't know, like uh, anti-radiation protect yourself, <laughs> protector or whatever. just flown off the shelves with a name like that. Exactly. Oh, like, nice. uh, yeah, there you go. <laughs> which again, would, would go back to like fear mongering and, and just yeah. emphasizing the problem instead of like trying to, to market the solution. It's more like tinfoil pouches if you're talking about the briefs. There you go. <laughs> yeah. What we try to do rather is to emphasize on comfort and an idea that when you're wearing lamps, you're going to be like, you're just like a lamp is protected by its coat in a very comfortable way. There is going to be a comfort level. There's going to be something more than just like a piece of armor that is going to surround yourself. I would say one thing is where the name could have been better is that we get all the time the question of like, do you use wool in the products? And we do not. Uh, <laughs> no lamb is being harmed in the process of making lambs. And so, but the general idea behind the name was to uh, emphasize on the solution versus emphasizing on the problem. I'm guessing Faraday cage was uh, trademarked or something. Uh, we actually own the trademark Faraday and we almost named the brand this way. But again, like the comfort aspect was something that we were way more interested in, in, in emphasizing on. And now that wireless radiation protection is a piece of the puzzle um, with other, you know, like with what we discussed before, protection from UV rays, et cetera, et cetera. I'm really happy the brand is not named Faraday or any other piece that would be centered around wireless radiation because this is not the story that we're trying to say. Uh, again, what we're trying to do is to build the number one brand for health conscious individuals by creating the best fabric out there with as many health benefits as possible. Right, right. And Tesla is already out there. It's already been done. <laughs> <laughs> it can be perceived both as counterintuitive and yet perfectly 
uh, intuitive as well. And once you've established that the lamb's name stands for what it does, that's all that matters. I mean, any kind of brand name that when you first think of it, it's going to sound weird or bad or not make a whole lot of sense. So uh, you had some success with the with the briefs. And then when did the fabric lines start to multiply? What other details did you bring into the inventory? And, and when did you start incorporating other protective aspects like the UV rays and everything? With regards to expanding our product lines, this all happened pretty naturally, actually. Um, the way we've always been doing product design at LAMPS has been... Well, very different from any clothing company, because again, like this is not why we're born or why we exist. So the way we've we've done this always has been, well, what type of organs and where is the protection needed? Where can our fabric improve the health and wellness and performance of, of the human body? And so the t-shirt came next just because our, most of our essential organs are, are located underneath and then the hats as well with regards to protecting our brain. And then uh, with regards to integrating other pieces to the technology, um, the moment where we realized that the market opportunity we had uh, with LAMPS was not just creating something that would protect from OS radiation, but that there was a bigger picture of today about 42% of the US population prioritizing wellness above anything else. And so the realization that, well, that's great, and there is no clothing brand today that has established itself as the leader in this category and that we had the opportunity to create something there. And so that's when we figured out that it was better for us to start thinking about what can we do to create the perfect clothing line for people who care about their health and integrate as much as possible as we could. And what has the challenge been given the myriad topics within the health and wellness industry? And there's so much more out there that people are so much more tangibly aware of, like their weight and their blood pressure and all sorts of, of bodily functions that we need to maintain and maintain the proper diet and maybe going to France, you know, once every couple of years so we can eat our weight and butter and then come back and work it off. <laughs> to what extent can you, as the CEO and chief communicator of this product, how can you think you can bring the discussion about electromagnetism and the benefits that your clothing provides? How does that uh, elbow its way into the common discussion so that when you expand, I mean, clearly you're going to get a lot of first adopters who are all in on knowing what the science is and what the threats are, but then eventually you're going to have to expand into a more retail, perhaps a little less informed audience. So how does that communication been going? That is a great question. And this is where I think the positioning of the brand makes a big difference with regards to wireless radiation and, and dangers in particular, it's really hard to communicate on anything like this without turning to fear mongering, right? Because if right now we were to delve into why wireless radiation are dangerous for your health, et cetera, I'd probably scare the crap out of your audience. Um, and this is not... <laughs> well, we'll put the appropriate warnings on. We'll say, by the way, if you're worried about being constantly bombarded by electromagnetic waves, please move on. <laughs> um, but, you know, like generally speaking, like it's it's hard to uh, educate on a danger without turning into fear mongering, unless you're really using humor, which has its limitation as well. And so at the end of the day, there are a lot of organizations out there and individuals, etc., who also are not unbiased, who are doing a phenomenal job at, at educating and that the level of information available on the subject and, and the general awareness of the public has been rising steadily in the recent years and will probably continue to rise, especially 
as 5G got out and more technologies are going to come out. Looking at Europe, some laws are, are, are being put into place. Even here in the States, some states have halted 5G deployment. Like there has been a lot of discussion around this. So I think generally like uh, this is going to happen organically. What we are doing, however, when we when it comes to communicating on NANDs and, and making people aware of the solution is we're rather trying to communicate on the benefits. And what's been really a game changer for us is the moment we started integrating again, like more pieces to the, to the technology and trying to get to the perfect fabric for someone who's trying to better his health and wellness is that we're able to actually track with fitness trackers, like a Nora Ring, like an Apple Watch, like a Whoop. We're actually able to track some improvements on biomarkers such as um, resting heart rate, heart rate variability, uh, sleep scores, etc. For people who are wearing lamps on a regular basis, uh, so after a few, a few weeks, people see that they're recovering better, that they're sleeping better, and that generally they're feeling better as well from a cognition perspective. And by the way, plenty of things are are going to kill us. Um, so. I think this is just, you know, a piece of the puzzle of living a healthier lifestyle, just like eating organic food, exercising, meditating. Like there are many breaks to like having a healthy lifestyle. And one of them is wearing lamps. Now, I'm interested as well in the European connection as a European person who's over here now. When we talk about regulation in Europe, is that a French thing or is that coming from Strasbourg or is it is that something that people can get a federalist view of from the center of the EU or, or individual countries? Individually, countries have taken different measures. Uh, Cyprus, for instance, um, has communication campaigns to educate children about the dangers of being exposed to wireless radiation, to cell phone, to Wi-Fi, etc. France has passed a law that prevents cell phone manufacturers to uh, advertise to children less than 14 years old because the younger you are, the more dramatic the effects of wireless radiation can be. I know that Brussels, for instance, has fully halted 5G deployment because of health concerns. Um, I believe Switzerland um, has had some some discussions there as well, or done the same. I don't think this is um, a federal effort, but there's been a lot more regulation being done around this. But again, in the US, this with 5G being being deployed, uh, there's been a lot happening at a state and or CDD level as well. I also like to hear whenever you talk about the science, I mean, I'm, we all know back when cell phones first came out and there was talk about they're all going to give you brain tumors. Now with the advent of 5G technology, how has electromagnetism changed over the last couple of decades? And is it more of a threat, less of a threat? Uh-huh, you're really pushing me into that fear-mongering world now. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it's it's a great question. So I'll preface by saying that I would invite people to do their their own research, obviously. Ask uh, your doctor uh, if electromagnetism is right for you. <laughs> <laughs> there is a fascinating article that was published by The Guardian. The title of this article is called The Inconvenient Truth About Cell Phone and Cancer. And it dives into how the similarities between what's happened between the moment where research on tobacco emerged and, and we figured out that smoking was definitely not great for our health. And uh, the same with regards to the, uh, to the science behind cell phone radiation and, and cancer and, and other ailments. And um, there is obviously a big lobby around this. And there's been a, a lot of miscommunication, I think, over the years with regards to the actual state of the science. There is a committee of 
hundreds of scientists who have been studying the effect of wireless radiation uh, and who are who triggered the alarm with regards to well we've done the research we know what it is and we need to have more of a conversation around this so with now everything being connected from your cars to your lights to your smart devices we're definitely in a world where we're surrounded by wireless radiation a lot more than we were when we had just a brick cell phone that couldn't really fit in your pocket and the signals as well with 5G are becoming much more powerful. So the difference between 5G and 4G is that we have much shorter waves, much, much more powerful waves. Um, and that's why we're going to get a 5G antenna at every corner of every street in order to um, do the coverage that we need to, to have full 5G coverage. We're effectively moving into a world where the amount of exposure that, we, that we're having is a lot stronger than, than it used to be like 10, 20 years ago. And one of the key challenges when looking at cancer in particular is that there is about a 30 to 40 years window between exposure to a carcinogenic and the moment where you actually develop cancer. So it's not like we're going to be exposing ourselves a lot more and then seeing the impact the next day. Um, this is going to take years before, like as a society, we're going to see the impact on our health. Yeah, when you think about kind of potential challenges as you try to expand, there's so much humans can take, right? I mean, you, you want to find that fine line between fear mongering and data mongering and just saying this is just something to be aware of. But consumers are so aware of so many threats, it's paralyzing in many ways. So you don't want to be heavy handed with your discussions about it, but it's still worth discussing. And you want to get it. It takes a light touch that I think you found just because it's something to be aware of. And it's also something that you can take action against. I think a lot of people, you know, get upset about climate change, for example, because they know no one's doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. And at least this offers you some kind of a, can you have some autonomy to protect yourself? And again, I think this is why we've chosen to market the product where the way we're marketing it is because what we're offering is also something where you're able to track physiological changes that are going to make you feel better and be better right now. What we try to do is create a solution where that is easy to implement, where you can feel the benefit immediately, and that can have a tremendous effect, effect in the long term as well. Well, and speaking of 30 years from now and long term, you've had an equity raise now. Is that equity raise ongoing? It is. Yeah. So we've chosen to involve our community in uh, the financing of the company. We've raised funds before. We're backed by some of the leading VC firms in the country, as well as like some exceptional individuals like Brett Conrad, the former president of Lululemon, who is one of our earliest investors because uh, he saw in Lamps the potential to, to build a brand bigger than Lulu. And um, it's a good man to have in the fold too, somebody with that kind of street cred and, and uh, attire, sure. And he's been super helpful with regards to all the projects that we have ongoing right now and, and, and product development and, and whatnot. But he's helpful with um, the you know, I imagine he's been down there trying to design clothing before. So has he been helpful with his uh, input? Oh yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. Yeah. The first thing he told us when he when he invested in the company a couple of years ago is like, we need to redo the entire product line. <laughs> <laughs> Um, he was an yeah, activist investor, is what you're saying. <laughs> he's been he's been amazing. A lot of our investors have had a, a lot of amazing inputs as well. Like uh, I don't want to discredit them either. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so we've been very fortunate with regards to the type of uh, investors that we've attracted, and at the same time, we have an incredible community. And my perception of how the market is going to evolve with regards to brands being built and 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 the future of brand building 
is that with the decentralization of the world, with Web3 emerging, et cetera, uh, we're going to see a lot more of the strong brands involving their communities in the funding of the brand and using crowdfunding as a way to not only build a community that love the product, but also a community that own a piece of the company. And that's really something we wanted to spearhead with LAMS. And that's what we've done with this equity crowdfunding. So we launched on republic.com. You can find us on republic.com slash LAMS, L-A-M-B-S. And we allow our community of customers, as well as anyone who's a fan of the, of the project and, and what we're doing to own a piece of the company and hopefully make a great multiple down the road in a few years. And, um, and it's been it's been amazing to see the the reaction that we've had from our customers with regards to uh, to this campaign. I think we were for a while the, trending as the number one equity raise on the Republic platform. Oh um, really? Yeah, it's yeah. it's we've been very humbled by uh, the reaction of our community, and and this is one of those moments where we are we're seeing how much of an impact we're making on people's lives as well. As well. As the product line expands, has there been talk about making garments, particularly for women? I mean, sports bras, other athleisure material. How's the product line going to expand over the next few years as you use this money from your current raise? We've had a lot of demands from our customers, and this is the number one thing that we keep on track is, tracking is, is what are the requests and do they make sense for the brand and for our customers? We have a number of products that are going to be launched in the next few months. I can't communicate just yet on what they are. Ooh. Uh, but yeah, um, we, we have two very big projects that are going to come to fruition in, uh, in the upcoming month uh, that are really going to move the needle significantly with real sort of product offering, which I think is the most important thing as a brand is that we're keeping our community happy and that we're developing things that, that matter. Is there interest in creating something that you can take off and on more casually? I mean, because we're talking about t-shirts and underwear and things that kind of stay on you all day, but would it make sense to create something you know, even a something like a fleece, does it make scientific sense to create something you take off and on, or does that by definition undermine its value? No, not necessarily. I mean, uh, yeah, the more we can offer options for our customers to be wearing the, the technology, the better. We are obviously focused as much as possible on solutions that are set and forget. Ah, uh, Ronco, you can't go wrong. Get <laughs> <laughs> the good guy to, to uh, you know, to take cues from, by all means, set it and forget it. <laughs> exactly. And so that's mostly what we tried to do originally. And we, everyone's wearing underwear, everyone's wearing a t-shirt, not necessarily every day, but... Um, Whether you're wearing nice. underwear now, Arthur, really is, if you want to share that with us, that's fine, but... <laughs> <laughs> I've asked the question, I've had the question before about what about people going commando and we can't have them. Well, then, you know, that's, that's a bold choice on its own. So yeah, if you're, if you're going through the world... It's like you're, you're wearing, if you're riding your bike without a helmet, that's live fast, die hard, leave a good looking corpse. <laughs> so as we wind down here, I just wanted to ask, I'm always curious about the challenges going forward. Obviously, you're thinking about, you know, exit strategies and so forth down the road, but you still have a great opportunity here because you have a great product and you've raised some money to help market it and expand it. So what are the headwinds that you see? What's the kind of thing that keeps you up or makes you worried or as far as getting the message out or other concerns that any CEO would have? 
You know, it's interesting. I mean, the job of a CEO is to worry as <laughs> much as it is to like work on, on the strategy and the vision of the brand. I will say one thing is that like in, in recent months, the strategy and the vision for has for us has never been as clear as it, as it is today. And so the future has also never been as exciting. So it's hard for me to tell you what worries me exactly when, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I'm at a stage of the company where I'm the most excited I've ever been. I think one thing that we're very mindful of as we're growing is to keep the quality. Um, like we were very, very blessed to have an incredible team was very committed to our vision and to, to the mission that we have as we're going to expand, making sure that we keep the same quality, that we only uh, hire A players uh, who are really committed to the mission um, is going to be super important to keep making the progress that we're, that we're making. If we do the job well, we, we can grow to become one of the number one apparel brand out there for um, the health conscious population. And if you look at who is the closest competitor today, that would be Lululemon, who's built a brand to appeal to this category of customers. And Lululemon today is a company that is valued at 35 billion on the stock market. And interestingly, with regards to lambs, when you look at internal key performance indicator, such as return rates, for instance, we're five to seven times better than Lulu. And so the value proposition that we have is much, much stronger than any other clothing brands out there. And so the potential behind Lamb's group again is huge. And if we keep doing the job that, we're, that we've been doing, we just need to keep our heads down and, and keep doing the job we're doing. Yeah, it's good to know. And Lululemon, there's another name that I'm sure people just wrinkled their noses at when they first heard it. Like, that, that's, what is that? And now it's, it's just a name and it's a brand. It's a powerful brand and it's done a lot with itself. So finding the right name feel free to think outside what you think makes sense because you never know what's going to stick. I really appreciate the time and merci beaucoup. Thank you so much for coming along. Well, thanks so much for having me, Doug. Super happy to have had a chance to, to show the story here. And people want to learn more, getlambs.com, G-E-T-L-A-M-B-S.com, or they can reach out on Twitter or any other place on the internet. Thank you for listening to episode 244 of the Successfully Funded Podcast. I have been your host, Doug French. That has been my guest, Arthur Menard de Calenge, straight from Paris to Santa Monica. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs>